HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new series on Heritage Radio Network called The Culinary Call Sheet, where we give a peek into the back kitchen of culinary media. I'm your host, April Jones. And I'm your co-host, Dara Bresnitz. Part of why we started this show was to offer an unofficial mentorship for anyone who is interested in learning about all aspects of food and video, whether that's TV, social media, online, or just something you want to do for fun. Absolutely. What was once niche or a little silly, as I'm sure you remember, Darren, when we started out. Yes, ma'am. Has now become such a massive playing field for so many creatives using food as the medium. It's something that has driven us professionally and personally for so many years. What excites me the most about this show is that we're going to sit down with some of the industry leaders to hear how they made it and what drew them into this industry. With 20 years in the culinary production game ourselves, we're hoping we can give, through these conversations, an insider's view into personal stories from the field as well as an in-depth behind-the-scenes look into some of the most popular food programming in today's evolving culinary media landscape. We'll be covering everything from how to style your food, to how to license IP, to developing your own ideas, and some tips from the masters of how to host your own show. Yeah, it's a little bit of conversation, how to, and how do you do the things that you do in culinary media, which I'm so excited about. I love so many of the guests that are coming on this season. We have talent from Food Network, from Vice Media, Eater, Refinery29. We've met some of the best people in the world, both in front of and behind the camera. And we're bringing them all together to share their stories, their delicious adventure, and their unique journey into this crazy world. So to be the first to hear our episodes when they launch this fall, go to wherever podcasts are streaming and hit subscribe. And make sure to give us a follow at The Culinary Call Sheet on Instagram. I'm Lou Bank. I am Chapati One. And this is Agave Road Trip, the Heritage Radio Network podcast that helps Gringex bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico.
And today I have no idea what the hell we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about agave spirits, Java. Okay. And not not mezcal. Oh, so... Not not ricea, not tequila, agave spirits. Sure, can... Oh, what? Okay. I got it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know what we're going to talk, I think. And this is a this is a Lou Banks curveball. Um, <laughs> so we are not talking about any do. Well, it's it's it, it, yes and no. In fact, we're talking about every do. So you know, I I, I catch um, I catch a lot of grief for a lot of things. Um, but one of the things that I catch grief for is using the phrase agave spirits instead of mezcal. Where exactly you get this pushback? Is it uh, in real life or it's usually when you are in front of your computer late at night uh, typing stuff? Chava. Uh, you've never up late at night. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for not making me have to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, it, it tends to be online. It's interesting. I very, very rarely get the question in person, um, but, uh, but I get the pushback online relatively frequently where people find it disrespectful that I'm not using the word mezcal to describe agave spirits that are made by women and men who come from the cultural heritage of mezcal. Do you think that the argument is that it's sort of an act of, uh, quote, I hate this word, by the way, quote unquote, resistance to use the word mezcal to refer to something that was not certified as mezcal, even if it deserves to be certified as mezcal. <laughs> Wait, I'm, I lost the beginning of that. Well, that, that you know, it's 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 almost a resistance act to say, you know, the government or the certifying bodies are not calling this mezcal, mm -hmm. even if traditionally they've been using that word to call it. Mm -hmm. Therefore, uh, f the government. And the certifying oh, bodies. Oh, oh, I see. I, I will use the word that they traditionally been using. Well, I, I, I'm certain that's that's a large piece of it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like the the pushback is if Lalo. This, this is literally something that was just on uh, 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 Facebook a few weeks ago. If Lalo uses the word mezcal to describe his agave spirits, uh, then isn't it disrespectful for me, Lou, to not use that word? And, mm. you know, truthfully, like, I would agree with that if I'm having a conversation with Lalo about his spirits. If I am in Santa Catarina Minas and I am talking to Lalo and he says mezcal, I'm not going to correct him. And I'm certainly excuse me, sir. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> what, what word did you use? Can I see the hologram on your? <laughs> and and more to the point, I'm certainly like even if if, if it's in response to him, and not only am I not going to correct him, when I go and visit Lalo, I'm going to say, hey, could I could I taste some mezcal? Because that's that's the word that he uses, and this is his environment, okay. right? And I fully respect the fact that Lalo deserves that word more than Zygnum does. But, okay. Okay, but the truth of it is, when I'm in Chicago, the vast mm. majority of people don't understand what the hell mezcal and tequila and agave spirits, the difference. The vast majority of people in Chicago don't understand that bourbon is a whiskey and that scotch is a whiskey. This stuff is confusing, and they've got other things to think about. they got to worry about the house payment. they got to worry about getting the kids to school. they got to worry about getting the crust off their grilled cheese sandwich. they got six million things to worry about, or 400. Yeah. So... 
So my point is simply this, right? The Mexican government stole the word mezcal from the people. Oh, language, Lou. Steal. Come on. They did. They didn't steal. Steal it. They they, they uh, appropriated they it. They institutionalized it. No, they <laughs> took it away. That literally, it's stealing. When <laughs> when when they say Lalo, and this is literally the case. When they say Lalo, what you're doing isn't mezcal. You cannot use that word commercially. That to me is cultural theft. Okay. Right. And so, in doing so, what comes over like there's this. You visit Lalo and Santa Catarina Minas, and you have this beautiful feeling. And how could you not? The way that he has set up his palenque, the way that he has set up his farm. You've got this beautiful greenhouse. You've got these beautiful fields of agave. There, he's got the milpa in there. He's got his corn integrated into the agave with the squash. He's like he's got all these beautiful cattle who are providing not only wonderful meat but then also a fertilizer. It's this beautiful experience. And then he's using clay pots, stills. This beautiful experience, and people walk away from that and go, oh, my God, mezcal is so special. And then they show up in Chicago, and they go to, to Binnie's liquor store, and they see a bottle of something that says La Locura, and it, it doesn't say mezcal on it. But then they see Zignum, and it does. And they start using that word in their minds to relate to that Zignum bottle. And that, to me, is a second kind of theft. And I've got, mm. you know, I think I've been pretty clear. I got no problem with Zignum. Yeah. I think they're fine. My problem is, I think Lalo, more than Zignum, should be able to use that word mezcal. I think the people who own the word mezcal should look a lot more like you than they do like me. And right now, the vast majority of people who can legally use that word mezcal in commerce look like me, not you. Yeah, they're very badly dressed. Uh, <laughs> I, I fully agree with that. So, uh, so I, if I followed you correctly, the way that you're trying to prevent this is to say, okay, most of the things that are certified as mezcal and make it to the U.S. of A are actually the kids that are most at least following a rule book because they have the money, the resources, the capacity to do this. And they're geographically located in the right place. All of those stuff. Yeah. But there is a significant portion of people that don't have any of these things or some of or are lacking some of these things or they just maybe just want to keep the recipes of what they've been doing without having any no-see uh, certifier coming around. And they, who really built the reputation and hate this word too, magic of mezcal, <laughs> uh, are not allowed to benefit commercially from it the other way around. They're being hindered in the gringo market by yeah. this bottle because, yes, they're competing in the same battleground, in the same soccer field than the others without, with, with yeah, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's not a legitimate competition, but it's very close to that. That's what you're saying. Oh, I, it, that is 100% what I'm saying. And, you know, you're, you're saying gringo market, and I just want to put a fine point on that word gringo, which is not from here. Correct. Because so, so UK market, even Mexico City market. That's exactly Los where Cabos I was market, headed. Cancun market, Playa del Carmen, anywhere where these things are being sold. That's exactly uh, to, right. To people that are not from the specific communities. That's exactly right. Um, so the idea that somehow I'm being disrespectful you know, like, okay, you know, you can decide for yourself what is and isn't disrespectful. But in my eyes, I, th I, I am being, 
I think, in the most ultimate way, respectful. And when I'm serving these spirits to people at the tastings that uh, that either I conduct alone or that you and I conduct together, um, I'm always explicit about that theft of cultural heritage. And I'm always explicit about... You know, don't assume if the bottle only says agave spirits that it's made in a, a beautiful traditional cult- way. Right, yeah. right, right. But if it does say agave spirit and it doesn't say mezcal, definitely don't assume that it's something that's not worth your attention because the vast majority of what I enjoy drinking the most, you know, and okay, it's my palate, but what I enjoy drinking the most and what I find tends to be most reflective of the communities where it comes from tends to not be certified as mezcal. Yes, I, I I would even go to the to the extreme of saying that it, this time and day, some people actually see stuff certified as mezcal uh, as a red flag. Like if they see Which the word, again, I also yeah, think yeah, is the, wrong. Yeah, exactly. But that, I I guess I wanted to get to that. This this by no means uh I think has to signify that there's a bunch of brands out there that use the word mezcal that are still amazing. It's it's amazing in terms of delicious, but then also in terms of reflecting the cultural heritage of the communities and the families that they come from. And having amazing approaches to agricultural techniques, of having all the good stuff that that we appreciate. It just it just happens that many of the ones that we would love for them to be called mezcal. It's it's not It, it in my perfect world, in my perfect world. Anybody would be able to use the word mezcal for any agave spirit made anywhere. And you could have your DOs for uh, Minero, right? So Lalo. Mezcal de Santa Catarina. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And and it's funny because now we're seeing this whole argument about the word sotal and how it's being used in Texas. And you get people very inflamed about. The the, mm. the brands that are using words so tall outside of what Mexico has quote unquote established as a do, right? And somehow the thought is, well, now Mexico is going to craft this do that saves the families <laughs> who right who make so tall and save the cultural heritage. And I'm sorry, we've not seen that so far. Have you seen the do of Charanda? For God's sake, the deal of mis- yeah. So you know, the, there's there's sort of this this upside down view of the two different words and how appellations may or may not protect cultural heritage or may or may not just be commercial, commercially driven. Um, but I, you know, in my perfect world, if it's an agave spirit made anywhere, made in Australia, made in South Africa, you call it mezcal. Yes, and then you get specific, and that makes people be more interested, be more prompt to do their research. It really honors the specificity and the diversity in the category. And I just. And yes. it enables all of these families who right yeah. now find themselves on the outside of the DO who can't use it commercially, who can't use that word, and yet it's part of their cultural heritage. It gives the word back to them. Love it. Okay, kid. Always a pleasure. Let's get the hell out of here. Adios. Hasta pronto. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. 
And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Blue is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. A Gabby Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. A Gabby Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly, eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.